Welcome to the Juxtaposition Podcast. I'm Denise. And I'm Iza. And today we'll be talking about the stories that make us. But first, you know how we do. How you doing today, Denise? I'm so good. I had a great day. I got a call from a friend this morning that I haven't heard from in a while. And uh, had a great weekend. Yes. Yes. Yeah, at the yes, river. Yes, we did. Yeah. So... Again, like happy birthday again. Thank you. Thank <laughs> Let's you. just keep celebrating your birthday. Forever, like, forever. We don't like need to stop. <laughs> no, never ever. We're just, we're just going back to Jacob's well. We're just gonna go back to the mermaid pool. First of all, guys, Wimberley, Texas, mermaid pool, it's a thing. Um that thing is just so it's just mm, it's so surreal and you can lay there and get the little fishies that give you a little uh, pedicure and like my feet are like gorgeous. Right yeah, like I don't even understand. Like, okay, so Isa can't leave my house if my geckos are like out on the porch <laughs> hanging out, like my little yard geckos. They don't. They don't but I she'll don't, let a fish eat up all on her feet. I will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't the same thing. The little fishies is in the water in their natural habitat. I know the gecko is in his natural habitat, but him being in my house, he don't live there. He don't pay rent. He oh, did you see there. that I had a leech on my arm? When we yeah. were, yeah, that was a real, that was a leech. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> like everybody took it so cool. Like I was, I was ready for everyone to freak out. <laughs> like but I calm. stay calm, and I was like, oh and, yeah, it is. And I did this, and it like fell off. I just brushed my arm, and it fell off. And I then, thought that was a leaf. No, a leech. leech. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was princess that saw it, and and I was like, oh yeah. Well, she's like, there's leeches in there, and I was like, yeah, but. We wait to tell people until after they've been. And so, like, <laughs> when we're leaving, we'll yeah. be like, oh, check yourself for leeches, you know, because people freak out. But, like, like well, I am a little bit I now. See- <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's, you it's are. Fine. But Did you tell me that last time? Yeah, every time no, we've well, been. Well, hopefully, all of the medicine like, when I we take were will there, help me forget more. <laughs> when we were there the first time, Jen got a leech on her leg. So, like, oh. that was, like, a whole thing. But um, like just FYI, like leeches don't carry diseases like mosquitoes do. Yes, mosquitoes carry West Nile virus in Texas, and in other parts of the world, many other diseases. And uh, ticks, ticks will get you in the in the woods, especially out where there are woods. Ticks carry tons of diseases that make you very sick. So, but leeches don't carry any diseases. So, like of all the blood sucking things, like it's not the one we need to be worried about. Cool. Okay. They just forget. How are you? I am good. Like we said, we just partied. Um, my birthday was Monday, so I'm officially 43. Um, every year, uh, for the last couple of years, I've been like doing this whole three day weekend thing, and I think I'm trying to make it a habit. Um, being able to have those three days off, like the day to party, a day to recover, and then a day to be lazy. Typically, the day to recover and day to lazy is the same thing, but. You know, we're going to call it something different for the sake of. Um, but, yeah, I had a beautiful birthday. Everybody, everybody that came out, Tyra, Princess, Alicia, Jocelyn, all those people, Bella, everybody that came out to make my weekend special. I love you, ladies. You are like the wind beneath my wings. Not mm, trying to be too cheesy, but we did have a good time. And we, everybody in the club was tipsy. <laughs> so, yeah, what you got for us today, Denise? Well, have you heard of any of these sayings like "fake it till you make it" or "speak it into existence"? Yeah. 
What about these philosophies like the secret or prosperity gospel or manifest your destiny and literally every single religion that I'm aware of? <laughs> like Jesus taught us to love and care for one another and God through stories called parables. And the Buddha taught us to reexamine our relationship with suffering to take a step back and kind of view it as a story that we don't have to actively participate in if we don't want to. So like, and then there were the hero tales from ancient Greece and Rome and Mesopotamia and India that tell us stories of gods and what the gods did and how we can call upon them for ourselves. So stories are central to our lives. Like the stories we are told about ourselves and the stories we tell ourselves and other people about who we are and what we are capable of doing. And while stories don't change our physical reality immediately, they can teach us to change our internal dialogue and positively impact our mental health, our goals, our work ethic, and our relationships, which will impact our physical world in time. So let me tell you about some of my stories. So I'm part of this like huge extended family. Like one of my great grandfathers was one of 22 kids. Like, Oh, my, yeah. I mean, and then like, you know, like so many, so many people in my family, like have like five kids. Like I'm one of five kids. Like, my family is like Mormon huge and we're not Mormon. So <laughs> they, they're all Baptist. But, um, but one of my favorite things about having this large family is all the stories that I got to know from all the old timers. And I could tell you all kinds of stories from like how my family got to Oklahoma on a covered wagon to the migration they made to California during the Dust Bowl and back again once the economy and farmland recovered. I could tell you all about my great great grandfather and how he and his new bride moved to Oklahoma so he could pass as white or how his son had his wife committed and married a younger, healthier woman to raise his family. I mean, the scandal or like how that son's daughter, my great aunt, moved to a property in western Oklahoma when she was like in her 60s Mm. um, with no running water, no electricity to live a monk-like existence and be closer to God. Or how my grandparents ran away to Nevada and they lied about their ages in order to marry when my grandmother was just 15 and my grandfather was a couple of weeks shy of 21. I know, like, that wouldn't really fly these days. Not at all. Nope. And so these stories extend to the person my family envisioned me to be. A good example to my four younger siblings, a good student, a good girl. Quiet, subservient, and compliant. We are not that. Ooh. (laughs) All so that I would be a good housewife, a good mom, and a good conservative Christian. But there was a lot of conflict because that story that they had for me wasn't a story I could live out no matter how hard I tried, even as a child and as an adult. Oh, forget about it. (laughs) I mean, man, it took me a long time to reconcile myself back to Christianity. And even though it's not like their version of Christianity, for them, me being a mom was important. But I mean, that's just not something my body can do. And my husband and I have decided to be child free. So for my family, in order to get their acceptance and, and help them understand who I am, I had to write another story and I had to teach it to them to accept me as I am. And that story is that I'm an auntie and I am the best auntie ever. Facts. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you might think that, you know, just a nation, somebody out there, you might think that you're a good auntie, but I'm, I'm ready to see the receipts. Right. Like, 
let's let's compare. Poof. Like <laughs> I take that very seriously. Okay. So that regardless of my family, my philosophical and moral differences, I'm here to love our next generation unconditionally. Mm-hmm. And I had to deal with my own internal story too. I had to accept the parts of myself that weren't working in their story. My strong will, my need for independence, my ADHD and my dyslexia. I had those things about me and a man, a host of other traits <laughs> whew, to write a story that I could live. And I want to be clear that I'm not endorsing like a positive thinking worldview. I've seen that philosophy turn very toxic. Like thinking positively isn't going to do anything. After all, it's just a thought. Like you can't positively think your way out of an illness or a rough living situation or a crappy job. Um, but this you can week, think about it. <laughs> I mean, you can think about it, but until you like physically right. have action, like nothing's nothing's happening. Faith without work is dead. Oh, for sure. So this week on one of my favorite podcasts, Hidden Brain with Shankar Vendantam on NPR, Gabrielle Eddington, a psychology professor at New York University, shared her findings on what self-regulatory strategies people can use to turn their positive fantasies about the future into binding goals. So her research says that when we rely on positive thinking our way to our goals, it actually makes us less likely to achieve those goals. And what I'm offering instead is a moment for you to root yourself in reality. Be honest about who you are and what kind of life you want to build and then take action, however incremental, to move toward it. Jenny Allen recently wrote, Get Out of Your Head, which is about stopping the cycle of toxic thoughts. And this is really where the power of your story can change your life. Explore who you are and come to terms with you. So just the nation, tell your stories with authenticity, envision the life you want to live, envision the obstacles you will face, make a plan to overcome them. And most importantly, take action. Okay, girl. So Isa, what do you think about stories? The stories that make us. As I listen to you, I think about how awesome it is for you to know your family stories. I don't know as much as I would like to know about my family, but I do know that my grandfather and all his brothers moved from Hattiesburg, Mississippi to Michigan way back in the day to give a better life for their families. My grandfather worked hard and retired in the auto industry. He was also into boxing. They called him Kid Useless. Not because he was useless, but because his name was Ulysses. He was a welterweight. He had nine fingers. Quick story about the nine fingers. So he, my granddad was telling me that he and one day he, him and his brother were sitting around, had a shotgun, and he told his brother, hey, you dare me to stick my finger in this rifle? And then he also dared him to shoot it off. And he did. <laughs> but the, the point of the story was he told me the story and he was just dead, dead face, serious. And it like not phased. It didn't, the story didn't draw any emotion or anything, but that's just like who he was. <laughs> he was like, hey, I shouldn't have dared him to shoot my finger off. And pretty much that's pretty much who he was. <laughs> but yeah, he had nine fingers. He had a 27-0 record, meaning he never lost a fight. So granddad was no joke. I remember reading an article about him once that said he couldn't get fights because his reach was too long and he was too good. The the article also talks about how he would go to the long gone Knox gym 
in Detroit. I think it's Crunk. I don't know. We'll deal with it. <laughs> this gym was made famous by fighter Tommy Hearns and Emmanuel Stewart. The article also said that he would sit in the gym and watch the new boxers as if they were his next contender. He was a serious man, but he loved his family immensely and was a great provider. Best dude I know outside my kids, hands down. He was a part of a group of men called the Brewster Old Timers. This group was a part of the first minority cohort that gave the inner city youth some positive activities to be a part of. The Brewster Old Timers were definitely one of those groups in Detroit that helped keep the community together. They would have these cabarets, and baby, when I tell you they were dressed to the nines, Mm -mm. dressed to the nines. I have seen pictures. You don't know now. Nathan, Nathaniel. Mm. (laughs) Him and his brothers, they were all hard workers, and they set their families up with the wealth that they worked so hard to help. They set up their families to help keep the wealth um, that they worked so very hard for. My grandfather's home was directly down the street from Aretha Franklin's father's church. And to this day, the house I was raised in, literally five minutes from the Motown Museum. I grew up listening to stories from my great-grandmother. She had one of those faces, you know, super strong and stern. And she looked like she played no games. She would tell me about her life growing up by rocking and moaning spiritual hymns. Her pain would be so random at times, but whatever she felt in those moments, I was bearing witness to her story. Mm -hmm. Based on the news article written in 2019 from journalist Andrea Collinger, she states, I cling to the stories that my grandpa told me around uh, about coming to Gary, Indiana from the South and building a life for his family. I still cry when I think about sitting on the front porch with him hours after my grandmother died. He told me all the stories about their 62 years, 62 years together, and what he needed was a witness. That's what we're doing when someone's telling you their story. You are their witness. Mm-hmm. Storytelling is something that the African-American community did not always have the privilege of sharing. We could not write. We could not read. And if you sounded like you could do any of those things, strange fruit is then what you were. Mm. For me, growing up in a predominantly black neighborhood was a disadvantage to me when I first arrived in Texas. I went from my dollar and my voice meaning a little bit to meaning nothing at all. And let's not talk about the blatant rudeness and disregard for anything I have to say to advocate for myself or my family. It's hard telling your story when someone else already has your story told for you. So I'm just going to piggyback off my girl, Denise. Tell your story. Curate your story. Don't let anyone rewrite your story. No. Be powerful. The only one that owns it is you. That's it. It's advice nobody asks for. On Reddit. This post comes from a 25-year-old female. She says that six years ago, I came across an unusual opportunity before I even knew my life plan and what I wanted to do. I mean, 
Mm-hmm. Who knows what they want to do at 19? I'm just saying. I definitely didn't. Mm-mm. I was having a hard time getting by supporting myself throughout college. I became a fetish model. No men involved, nothing really sexual, just weird stuff. The most physical thing being done is sometimes kissing another girl. So mm-hmm. I said, why the heck not? It's not like I'm going to become a doctor or something. <laughs> well, turns out I am. <laughs> I'm in my doctorate program now. And with each day, the anxiety that someone could find me and out me or use it against me grows. In my program, they really push professionalism and how if you post too many out on the town pics on Facebook, you're running the risk of people not taking you seriously, Mm. not getting a job. Mm. So you can imagine my stress because the things I've done are bizarre and mostly nude. Last month, someone illegally posted one of my videos on Pornhub, and it became a featured film on the front page. Was it her dad? Okay, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) And a friend of mine that I go to school with saw it, and I had to explain it to her. Luckily, she's one of my really good friends that I can trust with a secret, but... your friend doing on the... Okay, we're going to continue. Look. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, It's just a website. Okay, but I'm saying. (laughs) Do you not... You've never been on Pornhub? Are you saying that you've never been on it? We talking about her. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So luckily she's one of my really good friends that I can trust with a secret, but I don't know what to do to manage the anxiety that comes with this. The video is being taken down, but already has a million views. What is your name? I know. Like, give us a million views. (laughs) Listen, like, man. Okay, so at this point, I feel like it doesn't matter if I stop filming. There's already so much content of me, and I'm still a struggling student who needs some money. Mm. I thought about deleting all social media, but I don't know what that would do. If they saw me in a video, they'd recognize me regardless. That's true. Any words of advice or a different perspective would be appreciated. Hmm. So she goes, I mean, she goes on (laughs) to say, how have I been getting by to this, to this point is that I have just owned my decision that yes, I did that, but I didn't do anything wrong. Am I nude in some? Yeah. Did I have any kind of sex whatsoever in these? Nah. Does any of this affect how good I am at what I want to do? No, but I know others won't see it like that if they are to find out. Mm -hmm. The site is also pretty underground, so not just anyone be able to find it unless they knew what they were looking for. Mm. You got any advice for her, Issa? First of all, (laughs) (laughs) that's how it's gonna be. First of all, first of all, let me just say this: I, I am, I, I learned a long time ago. You do your dirt in the dark. So part of my advice is that was kind of stupid because you didn't know what the fuck you was gonna be doing later on in your life. You know what I'm saying? And And the bad thing about the world is that you could be literally Jesus's sister and they still got something to say about you. So regardless of what it is, somebody is going to always have something to say. However, you just don't give them ammunition. Please don't be looking at me funny, Justination, because I didn't make the double standard. I, I didn't make the double standard. I'm out here living my best life trying to, you know, do me. And I'm, I'm, as crass and as strong-willed as anybody else, and I do what I want. <laughs> That's my theory. Anybody know? Hashtag Angie, do what you want. <laughs> you know what I mean? However, you know, it, it, it's it's 
you you can't give people ammunition. You give people ammunition, and that's what they're going to do. They're going to take it, and they're going to fire shots as many times as possible. The second part of what I have to say is you a grown-ass woman. At 19, you was a grown-ass woman whenever you started doing this thing. And like you said, you've been owning it up to this point. Continue to own it. Now, don't get mad, though. Don't get mad, though, if your patient came in like, I would not like those hands to touch me where they touched that thing. So, you know, if you're going to own up to something, own that part, too. There's nothing wrong with what you did. You know, you had to make money and do you. Okay, you know, whatever. But you got to understand that it's not like sex work. It, or or anything sexy or any woman owning their body is something that's easily accepted by the masses anyway. Wow. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, Can't even sing about it. Yeah, you understand me? So let alone go make some money or, or actually videotape it where somebody else can see. There's going to be some outcry from it. Um I would yeah. love to see like what came of that. Maybe we'll follow this trend, this this thread, and see. I'm gonna it. look out for it. I'm just saying. I know baby if it girl. hits the news, I'm gonna be like, oh, I was, Ooh, we I, talked about me. <laughs> I hope it doesn't though. But mm. I mean, so I agree with most of what is aside, especially about you know, like you are a grown woman and you have been owning it, and that's that's fantastic. And your body is your own, and what you do with it mm. is your own. Um, and you know. My best advice is that I hope you seek legal advice from someone who specializes in business law. And I would recommend that they review any morality clauses that come with being a student in your program. And Mm. provided you aren't in violation of any of any morality clauses that might be there, because some have some grad programs have that Mm. your attorney would be able to shield you from any repercussions. You know, so, um, you know, struggling student, you might be, um, and attorneys cost money. There's somebody in school for business law. Talk to one of your fellow students. That sounds like a very good idea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, as long as you're not, as you're not, like, violating any agreements that you've made, you should be able, with appropriate amount of money and the right attorney, that's always the case, right? Um shield yourself and make sure that your rights are respected and that you get everything that is due to you from that program. And there you have it. Advice nobody asks us for. Nobody. Nobody (laughs) asks us for this advice. We're going to give it to you. Yep. (laughs) Breaking news. Isa and Denise are here to call out the mansplainers and pearl clutchers. All right, so real quick, um, we're going to listen to some audio of Dinesh DeSouza on Laura Ingram's program on Fox News. Yeah, I think it was, in some ways, it didn't even do justice to Kamala Harris because it was an empty, vacuous account of how she came to be who she is. There was a lot of invocation of family, but it actually contradicted all the things that Kamala has said in interviews earlier in her career. She said that she was very influenced. She was raised, by the way, on the Indian side of her family when her parents divorced. 
Forest. And she said the two most influential people that shaped her life were her grandfather, a kind of Indian socialist named P.B. Gopalan. Uh, and I know something about this, Laura, because I grew up in India under socialism. We had the ration card, which limited what you could buy, cooking oil and rice and sugar. And so socialism basically deprived a whole generation of Indians of their birthright. So this socialist ideology she apparently got from her grandfather. Not one mention of that at all. Uh, and then her mom, Shamala Harris, who's had a big influence on her, but a kind of a cynical one, again, relatively unmentioned. But Shamala Harris was the one who made some very cynical comments about Kamala's uh, rising to power by linking herself to influential men. And this, I think, is, again, something that I think she didn't want to highlight at all. It contradicts the whole Me Too narrative, sort of levitating your way to the top. All of this was carefully omitted from this kind of morality tale that we got tonight. First of all, Dinesh. <laughs> Sir, you sound, and the Republicans, y'all sound stupid as fuck. You understand me? Do you, do you understand? First of all, your talking points, points sound like you got this from off of a meme off of Facebook. You're saying what everybody else saying that just she's she's slutted herself off to, to men and she's this and she's that and her and her uh, voting record and her, her record as a prosecutor. You didn't say any tangible anything, sir. Brought nothing. Brought, Brought nothing no, no, nothing to the table other than what the fuck that's already on somebody's Instagram and new. I am hot. Every time I hear this fucking audio, I get hot. And I've you, made her listen to it. Oh like my four god! Times. <laughs> like every time, my reaction is just it just it, it just grows because this makes no sense to me. You want to go out and bash her? I understand the Republicans. They just want to do the bashing thing. That's what they do. They say the most igni ignorant, stupid, idiotic shit but, I've ever heard in my life. But she really had to mansplain her own family tree to her? How do you like, get to do that, sir? You don't get to tell like, me how my family is, what my family worth to you is. Sir? The seats. Gather them. All of and them. Then, and then he's like, you know, her, like, she grew up on the, with her Indian side of the family. Like, like basically, he's trying to say she's not black. Right. And, and so you, you're going to track, no, no, she's black. Because y'all remember the one drop rule, right? Y'all remember that? One drop, you're black, you're black. Whew, I can't, I can't even, like, get my whole thoughts together. And then to go and say, because she hasn't struggled, she can't be an advocate. Who said that? You you can't be from just because you're from influent means that means that you can't advocate for people. That's exactly who needs to do it because that's who has the power. Boom. And that's exactly I think what their problem is is that they don't want people. They don't want the educated people to tell the other uneducated people what they should and what they shouldn't be doing. Y'all yeah. may not be for her. You don't have to be. And I'll call her KK because I don't know her their name right. And y'all gonna be all right with that. I can do that anyway. Camilla, Kamala, KK. It's Kamala. That one. Mm -hmm. so, <laughs> Y'all may not be for her. She may not be your favorite. But to drag this woman the way y'all drag women is just goes to show to go piggyback on what I said last week. We're the most disrespected, we're the most unprotected people in the world. Yes. Like, it's it just, it made no sense to me. How dare you, sir, try to explain somebody's lineage? Did we do that to you, sir? I'm holding back. <laughs> I'm holding back You're doing so, so much. But I'm just saying, like, it just infuriated me 
when he said that because she hasn't struggled, the black people can't uh, relate to her. Right. No, that's not what it I is, think, sir. I think what really got me was like, he didn't just say she was a hoe. He said her own mama said she was a hoe. Did you hear that yeah, part? Yeah, that's not. Like, 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 I can talk about my mama, but you can't talk about my mama, sir. No. Them is fighting words. Like, I can't. I can't. And like, to, to me, um, again, I'm not huge into the politics i have been like getting a little bit more into it now but what i feel about even her past even her past that's it y'all that's it her past she was her record in the past showed she had to do whatever she had to do i'm not advocating for it but how many of us raise your hand had to do some shit you ain't want to do to get in another position you know and i'm not like i'm not her biggest fan Mm. I'm, i'm not but at the same time, like, I question this whole narrative of she slept her way to the top. Like, yeah, that's the story people are telling. Right. But she hadn't told that story. And we don't know. We weren't there. Like, Nobody like, was. You, like, like, people fall in love or people fall in lust. People people hook up, you know, or whatever. In jobs. And it, it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the power dynamic or getting ahead. <laughs> You know, like you may even full well recognize, man, we do this. I'm going to catch some shit for it. But, you know, they still, whatever, they still got to do what they got to do. So, like, I I have trouble when someone says that she slept away top. I have trouble accepting that narrative. Right. Like, I'm, I don't, like, I'm over it. Like, whatever. Like, no. (laughs) Like, I'm over it. Like, the whole teardown of her character over and over again is just, and this is why. <laughs> Did you do you understand? This is this is kind of how black people work, a little bit. You keep telling us not to do it. We gonna do that very thing. So th- this narrative that you're pushing, uh, trying to make her attack her character. Do you know that black women all over the world have been dealing with this? From for as long as I can remember, and did you know we're part of the biggest voting class? <laughs> that bet you ain't know that, boo. Whew, I'm over it, girl. They like these mansplainers and uh, uh, mansplaining in the in the topic itself. It doesn't have to be just a man doing it. The theory that you would re-explain something that that is my story. That, I think that's I think yeah. mansplainers equals telling somebody else's story the wrong way. Yeah. So, sir, again, several seats. Get yourself together. Quit trying to worry about her and her family and worry about you and yours. Yeah. You know, like that federal conviction that you, mm. you know, served jail time for. OK. All right. All right. So we're going to talk about some pearl clutches. Mm. So we talked, so like Dinesh, my, our, our uh, buddy Dinesh was speaking on Kamala's, uh, Ka- Kamala's, uh, <laughs> um, her speech at the Democratic National Convention. Now we're going to head on over to the Republican National Convention <laughs> where the couple who pointed their guns at unarmed protesters had an opportunity to stump for their favorite candidate. Their names are Mark and Patricia McCluskey. And what did they use their time at the mic to do? Some pearl clutching, racist, dog whistle politicking. <laughs> the McCluskeys are angry about ending single family home zoning, which would, and I quote, bring, 
bring crime, lawlessness, and low-quality apartments into thriving suburban neighborhoods. Oh, Lord. Clutching her pearls at apartment dwellers? Ma'am. Ma'am. <laughs> Have you even met a millennial? As a trend, we don't want to deal with the headache of homeownership, <laughs> and we prefer to live in managed properties. I'm saying. Right? <laughs> Man, the single-family zoning that the McCluskeys don't want to end, they stifle the free market. They say, all right, so this land over here is for the rich landed aristocracy only. <laughs> They keep out people of more meager means, people who need to live in multifamily housing. They keep kids from less well-off families from accessing schools in wealthier school districts. In regards to their gun-waving incident that gave them this this 15 minutes of fame, she said, You saw what happened to us, and it could just as easily happen to you watching from your quiet neighborhoods. Y'all got this so twisted. The revolution where the rich people are divested of their money isn't happening right now. You're not doing that. Not I mean, anyway. I know there, like, there are people who want to do that, but that's not what's happening right now. What you encountered were unarmed people wanting to be recognized as full human beings mm. and to be treated as such by law enforcement. It's just that simple. So unclench those pearls. Mm-hmm. Get your panties out of the water <laughs> and chill. And start treating fellow humans as humans. Just saying. Hey, guys. So we did a lot of talking today about putting our stories together and taking that moment and, you know, curating those stories and making sure that they're telling the story that we want to tell and helping us live the life that we want to live. And so from that, we want to hear what you do with that. We want to hear your stories. Yes, yes. Please. All of them. And so you can do that by leaving us a message on anchor.fm slash justaposition. We're going to throw a link up on the site, too, just so that you can get right there and just click on it. And so we're going to be doing a giveaway. So, guys, we want you to tell your story. The story that we pick is going to receive a $100 a Visa, Visa gift card. card. Um, so when you tell your story, like I said, make sure it's funny. Make sure it, it doesn't have to be funny. No, tell us something real. Tell yeah. us something authentic and tell us something that you want future generations to know. Exactly. Whether, you know, they're your future generations or, or ours. Like, sh- like, we would really love for you to share a story with we, us. Just so you know, that that is going to be uh, played on air. Okay, so tell a story that you know you're okay with being on air with. Um, also, that's it. <laughs> now, don't, don't get, get in, in your, your feelings, feelings about what you just heard. It's, it's just, just a position. position.